So I want to start off with this question just to have you think about it, and that is what do you do at those times when you aren't as motivated to read the Bible? We all know we're called to read the Scriptures regularly, to meditate on God's Word day and night, but, but what do you do at those times where you're just not feeling it? And we all have times like that, right? So what do we do? What do you do? Maybe you kind of just make a fresh decision, I'm going to really get serious about this now, maybe a fresh resolution to, to make a change. Maybe you ask some sisters or some brothers in the body of Christ to hold you accountable. And all those can have some benefit, but, but none of those is the most important step to take. The most important step to take is to realize that in the Bible, God has given us reasons for why we should read His Word, promises for what will happen when we do read His Word. And so what God wants us to do at those times where we are getting weak in motivation, He wants us to open up His Word and find those reasons in the Scripture for why we should read God's Word, to think about those reasons, to pray over those reasons, because He then will change our heart and stir our motivation so we once again are passionate about reading His Word. And that's what I'm praying God will do in each of our hearts this morning because in this passage today, Jesus gives us five reasons for why we should be passionate about reading the Word of God. The passage is Luke chapter 11, verses 27 to 36. We're going to see five reasons to read God's Word regularly, to trust God's Word, to obey God's Word, five reasons. Now, young people and children, I want you to take careful note of these five reasons so that at lunch today, you can quiz your parents to see if they remember them as well as you do. So jot them all down. They're going to be very clear. Five reasons to motivate us to read, meditate upon, study, trust God's Word. The first word, the first reason is the word blessing. This is in verses 27 and 28 of Luke chapter 11. Here's, here's the setting for what's happening in these two verses. Remember last week, Jesus cast a demon out of a man. Powerful, miraculous, supernatural deliverance of this man, and everyone was stunned at what he had done. And then Jesus explains that this is part of what he does. He's here to set people free from Satan's power. Jesus gave a very powerful teaching. And there's a woman in the crowd listening. And she is so excited about Jesus just freed this man from a demon. And she's so thankful for Jesus and so joyful, overjoyce, overjoicing, rejoicing in Jesus, overjoyed in Jesus, that she shouts out something to Jesus in front of everyone. And what does she shout out? Verse 27. As he said these things, as Jesus said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Now the word blessed means to have great joy, great pleasure, great delight. And so this woman is saying, Jesus, you are amazing. Oh, how happy and blessed and rejoicing must be the woman who was gifted to be your mother, who was called to be your mother. What joy, what blessing she must have. And how does Jesus answer her? Look at verse 28. 
But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, Jesus is not disagreeing with what this woman has just shouted out. I mean, after all, back in Luke chapter 1, verse 48, we read that Mary, Jesus' mother, is greatly blessed. And just think for a moment, I mean, how, about how really, truly blessed she was. I mean, out of all the women who'd ever lived, God had mercifully, undeservedly called her to be the mother of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus who is fully God, the God-man. Jesus was fully God, and Mary carried him in her womb as he was developing. She gave birth to Jesus. She nursed Jesus. She cared for Jesus who was God in the flesh. Now, that would have been an astonishing blessing for Mary to have, to be called to be his mother. But Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, why does he say that? I mean, Jesus knows that Mary, his mother, is greatly blessed. But see, this woman in the crowd is implying that Mary's privileged position as Jesus' mother gives her more blessing than anyone else. She's implying that only Mary has that level of blessings. Like, whoa, that's real blessing. Only Mary has that kind of stratosphere kind of blessing. And Jesus says, that's not true. My dear mother, Mary, is greatly, greatly blessed. Yes. But anyone, anyone who hears and keeps the Word of God will have even more blessings than she had. Anyone, including Mary, who hears and keeps God's Word will have more blessing, more joy, more happiness than Mary would have as a result of being my mother. So the greatest of all blessings, Jesus is saying, come to those who hear God's Word and keep it. Now, just got to pause here for a second. What does Jesus mean by the Word of God? We, okay, we want to hear it. We want to keep it. Where is it? Where do we find the Word of God? Clearly, from the context of the passage, the Word of God is what's taught by Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. So His words are the Word of God. But Jesus also said the whole Old Testament is the Word of God. Genesis to Malachi, all of that is God's Word in your Bible. And Jesus also taught that the apostles were going to be specially gifted so that the words that they wrote in the New Testament are also the Word of God. So the Word of God is the Bible. You are holding the Word of God in your hands. Genesis to Revelation, that's the Word of God. And Jesus is saying that as blessed as Mary, his mother, is anyone, any one of us, who reads, hears, keeps, trusts God's Word will be even more blessed, have even more joy, more pleasure, more delight. Now why? Again, think about all the blessing Mary would have had as Jesus' mother, the mother of the Son of God. Amazing. But what Jesus is saying is that tomorrow morning, you can wake up and open up the Word of God, and by hearing and keeping 
you will have even more joy because when we open up the Scriptures, read, study, learn, trust, love, obey, worship, we will meet the living God in the truths of the Scriptures. And when we meet the living God, we meet the one in whose presence is fullness of joy, Psalm 1611. And so what that means is that when we hear and keep God's Word, we will be experiencing the greatest joy that any human being can have in the universe because we'll be meeting God as we hear and keep His Word. So that's the first reason. So young people, first word is blessing, 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 because we will receive a greater blessing in reading God's Word than even Mary had as Jesus' mother. So the first word is blessing. That's the first reason. Now Jesus goes on teaching, and because he doesn't really break in what he says, he's continuing to talk about reasons to read and keep God's Word. So look at verse 29. Here we see the second reason, which is the word sign, S-I-G-N, young people, sign. Verse 29, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Now, how was this generation seeking a sign? We saw last week that when Jesus had miraculously cast out a demon, a miracle, an amazing sign, he just done something supernatural there, there were people in the crowd who said, okay, now give us a sign from heaven. Show us something supernatural. Show us something supernatural, miraculous, as if he hadn't already done so. Now, why did they respond that way? See if this makes sense to you. Jesus' teaching was, I'm here to save you from sin. I will forgive you for all of the sins you have committed, past, present, and future, because my death is going to pay for the sins of anyone who will trust me. And I'm not only going to forgive you for your sin, I will free you from your sin progressively over time by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came to save people from their sins. But these people responding this way in the crowd, those people don't want to be freed from their sins. They want to hold on to their sins. And so they're not, gonna, they're not planning, I'm not going to follow Jesus. I want this, I want this, I want to hang on to these sins. And so they need to come up with an excuse that will be acceptable. So they kind of, you know, well, show us, show us a reason to think that you're from God. Show us a sign, do something miraculous for us, even though he just did by casting out the demon. And look at how Jesus responds to them. Start with verse 29 again. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Okay, that's not an easy verse to figure out. First of all, what is the sign of Jonah? What is that? Remember the story of Jonah. God called Jonah. Here's a map we're going to show you. God called Jonah, 
who lived in Joppa. See Joppa there to the east. That's where Jonah was. God called Jonah to travel to Nineveh, which was in modern-day Iraq, to the east. God called him to go preach, call the people to repent. Jonah did not want to go. Jonah totally disobeyed God. He got on a boat that went to the west, to Tarshish, which is way over in modern-day Spain. So totally disobeying God, and then on the boat, while on the boat, God had a massive storm come up, huge storm crashing against the boat. Jonah ends up overboard, and God sends a big fish to swallow Jonah. God keeps him alive in the fish, and for three days and three nights, Jonah is in the belly of this, this fish, repenting. You'd repent too, wouldn't you? Repenting. And crying out to God. And God delivered him, had the fish vomit him out onto dry land. And then Jonah made a very wise decision and he headed towards Nineveh. Okay, I'm going to Nineveh. I'm going to preach repentance to these people. And he went and he told the people how God had delivered him from this fish. And he said, the real God is calling you to repent of your sins. And the whole city of Nineveh repented. They turned back to God, and they were forgiven by God because of Jesus' death on the cross that he would die in the future. So here's the question. What was it about Jonah that was a sign to Nineveh? And it's the way God delivered him from the, the fish, the great fish. This was a sign that Jonah is from God and that his message is from God. And so you should listen to Jonah's message because it's the message from God. So Jonah's deliverance was the sign. And Jesus says in the same way, I'm going to be a sign to this generation, his generation. How? By God delivering Jesus, not from a fish, but from death, from death. So Jesus' sign is similar to Jonah's. Both are deliverances, but Jesus is a much greater sign because Jesus wasn't just delivered from a fish showing that he was from God. Jesus was delivered from death showing that he is God. Jesus was raised from the dead showing his generation that he is God. God in the flesh. And so because he is God, he speaks the words of God, which is why they should have listened to him. And because they didn't, they're going to be facing judgment. So the sign of Jonah to Jesus' generation was the sign of Jesus being delivered from death. And remember, Jesus taught that this whole book, his words, which are in this book, the Old Testament, which is in this book, the words of his apostles, which are in this book, is the word of God. And so to, to apply this to us, Jesus' resurrection shows us, it, it's a sign to us that Jesus is from God, which means that this book is the very words of God. You're holding in your hands, or you have on your phone, the very words of the Creator, God, the Savior, God of the universe. That's the second reason we should hear, listen, trust, love, the Word of God, because Jesus' resurrection is a sign that this is the truth from God. Sign, second reason. So the first reason, blessing. Second reason, sign. 
Third reason, this is amazing, wisdom, wisdom. Verse 31, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So here's the background. When David, King David, became old, he installed his son Solomon as king in his place. And when God appeared to Solomon and asked Solomon, Solomon, what do you want to ask of me? Solomon answered one thing, God, wisdom. Give me wisdom so that I can lead your people. And God answered that prayer by giving Solomon astonishing wisdom. So much wisdom that everyone all around heard about the wisdom of Solomon. And the queen of the south, 2,000 kilometers south, probably in modern-day Yemen, the queen of the south, 2,000 kilometers away, heard about Solomon's wisdom. And she was so hungry for wisdom that she traveled 2,000 kilometers north no Etihad flights, no cars. You wouldn't call them roads. 2,000 kilometers north. She traveled all that way to hear the wisdom of Solomon, including the wisdom about the God of Israel that Solomon told her. So the queen of the south was so hungry for wisdom that she traveled 2,000 kilometers to get wisdom. And in the final judgment... Jesus says, the queen of the south is going to rise up and stand in judgment and condemn those of Jesus' generation, those unbelievers who are in Jesus' generation. Why? Because the queen of the south had traveled 2,000 kilometers to hear Solomon's wisdom, and the unbelievers in Jesus' generation had Jesus right there, Jesus whose wisdom is far greater than Solomon's wisdom. As great as Solomon's wisdom was, everybody heard about it, Jesus' wisdom as God is infinitely better, perfect, flawless, all-encompassing wisdom. That's Jesus' wisdom. And the queen of the south traveled 2,000 kilometers to hear Solomon's wisdom, but the unbelievers in Jesus' generation, even though Jesus was right there in front of them, wouldn't even listen to what he was saying. So the queen of the south is going to stand up in judgment against them. Now, what does this mean for us? This means that we hold in our hands the wisdom of Jesus himself, who is God. You have God's very wisdom in the Bible, perfect, flawless wisdom. So think about it like this. If the queen of the south was willing to travel 2,000 kilometers to get the wisdom of Solomon, and if we have wisdom far greater than the wisdom of Solomon here, wouldn't it be worth waking up a little bit earlier tomorrow morning to get that wisdom? That's the third reason. Wisdom, wisdom from God is what we have in the Scriptures. Fourth reason, preaching. Because we've got blessing, we've got sign, we've got wisdom, now, fourth, preaching. Verse 32, the men of Nineveh, 
back to the story of Jonah, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they, the men of Nineveh, repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah preached repentance to Nineveh, and the whole city of Nineveh turned from their sins, put their trust in God, was saved and forgiven. And Jesus says that at the end of history, those men of Nineveh, the people of Nineveh, will rise up at the final judgment and they will condemn the unbelievers of Jesus' generation. Why? Well, it's because when Jonah came and preached to Nineveh, they all repented of their sins and put their trust in God. But when Jesus, who is far greater than Jonah, came preaching to his generation, these unbelievers would not pay heed to what he was saying. And just think about it. I mean, Jonah was a great preacher. The whole city repents. Jesus is a far, far, far greater preacher, right? Jonah's, jo Jonah wasn't God. Jonah came talking about God. Jesus came as God. Jonah came saying, God says this and God says this. Jesus came saying, truly, truly, I say to you. And yet, the people in Jesus' generation, many of them, would not pay heed to Jesus' wisdom, whereas the people in Nineveh pay, pay heed, paid heed to Jonah's preaching. So we have the preaching from Jesus in His words, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. You can listen to preaching from Jesus whenever you want to. You can go home this afternoon, open up your Bible, and hear preaching from Jesus, fully God, fully man. The best, most amazing, accurate, helpful, powerful, motivating, comforting, strengthening preaching that there is, is what you'll get from, from Jesus. Tomorrow morning, you can hear Jesus preaching to you. Think about it like this. The most clear way you will ever hear Jesus, God, speaking to you is through the Bible. This is the most clear way you will ever hear his voice. You'll hear him, God himself, preaching to you through the scriptures. So that's the fourth reason, preaching. Now, fifth reason, light. Okay, so you've got blessing, sign, wisdom, preaching. Finally, fifth, light. Longer section here, verses 33 to 36. Start with verse 33. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. So what's Jesus talking about here? Well, in the previous verses, Jesus has been talking about the Word of God, the sign to make us believe it's the Word of God, the wisdom of it, the preaching of it. That's the blessing of it. That's what he's been talking about. And there's no break between that teaching and this section, so I think it stands to reason that in this section, he's also talking about the Word of God. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying that because of our sin, every single one of us before we were saved were walking in darkness. We were full of darkness. And we were living in a world that to us was completely dark before we were saved. But when Jesus saved us, 
He not only forgave us for all of our sins, beautiful, He also fills us with light. He fills us with light so we become lamps shining with His joy and His love and His glory. We were in darkness, now we are in light. We are filled with light and we are shining with light. That's what Jesus does, forgives us for our sins and fills us with light so we shine with light. And these, these lights, these lamps that we are, we shouldn't put them in a cellar or hide them under a basket. We should put them on a stand. We should just shine in public so people can see the glory of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus shining forth from us. That's what Jesus does. That's what he makes us into. Now, how does he do that? How does he fill us with light? We were dark, darkness. How does he fill us with light? He explains in verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. So your eye is the lamp of the body. What that means is when your eye is healthy and sees the Word of God, okay, the light of the Word is going to shine into the lamp of your eye, which will then fill you with light. Okay, so it's not a lamp shining out yet. First, it's a, it's a lamp taking in light and shining light inside of you so that you and your body become full of light. But if, you're, if your eye is not healthy, if you, if you ignore the Word of God, if all that's coming in through your eyes is Facebook and news and celebrities and, and that kind of stuff, then you're going to be full of, of darkness. And so Jesus says in verse 35, therefore be careful lest the light in you be darkness. You've been saved. There's light in you. Are there pockets of darkness? Is there growing darkness? That's what Jesus wants us to be attentive to. Now, how can you tell when there's pockets of darkness inside of you? When, we're, when our eye is healthy, okay, we're taking in the light of the Word, all right, then our hearts will be full of joy in, in Jesus' presence, blessed assurance, like we sang, Jesus is mine. What a foretaste of glory divine. He will give you tastes of heaven itself as you fellowship with Him, so you'll be filled with joy in Jesus and peace because of His, his promises, joy and peace. You will also have times of weeping and sorrow, right? We do have trials in this world, Jesus taught us, but when you're weeping with sorrow, you will be, as the light is coming in, you'll be comforted by Jesus. You'll be strengthened by Jesus. Your heart, your heartbroken heart will be healed by Jesus. That's what a heart is when it's full of light. Joy, peace, comfort in trials. That's a heart that's full of light. Now, how can we tell when there's pockets of darkness? Think about it. When I'm feeling worried, that's a pocket of darkness. When I'm feeling jealous towards someone, that's a pocket of darkness. It's not light, that's darkness. If I'm holding on to some sin, I'll obey here, I'll obey here, I'll obey, but I'm not going to obey here, this is mine. That's a pocket of darkness, right? If I'm desiring something else more than Jesus, that's a pocket of darkness. If I'm feeling dull spiritually, that's, that's growing darkness. 
And so all those show that there's pockets of darkness. And so what should we do? When we notice that there's pockets of darkness, we should set our eye on the Word of God and let the light of God's Word come in through the lamp and it'll seep down into our bodies and it will turn those pockets of darkness into light. That's what'll happen. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 36. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, because the Word has turned those dark parts into light parts, so if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So when we set our hearts on the truth of God's Word, our eyes healthy, we're taking in the Word of God, the light of the Word is coming into our hearts, and we're praying over the truth of God's Word, and we're trusting the truth of God's Word. The light of God's Word will come into our hearts, fill our bodies. We'll see afresh who Jesus is. He'll remind us of His promises. We'll have tastes of His very presence, and we'll overcome. We'll see those pockets of darkness overcome and transformed into light. Now, let me share with you how I experienced that this week. Just one little instance so you can get a feel of at least how, how I experienced this. I think it was Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I found myself feeling worried and, and uh, fearful about something. I need, I need to be making a decision about something in the U.S., not involved with the church here, just something in the U.S. going on. I've got to make a decision about it. And uh, it's a big decision, not sure what decision, which way to go, and, um, and I was worried. Like, what if I made the wrong decision? And so I had fear, insecurity, I had worry, and you know what that means? Pocket of darkness, right? So we got to be, this is a pocket of darkness, we got to be able to label it. Pocket of darkness, put the label right there, okay, there it is, pocket of darkness. Now I had to go on some appointments that afternoon. I had some driving around to do a couple of appointments, and so I thought, okay, I, Father, help me. I, as I'm driving, I'm just going to be going over the Word. I, need, I want to let the light of the Word seep into my heart so that this pocket of darkness will be transformed. And so that's what I did. As I drove, my physical eyes were on the road, okay? That's where my physical eyes were. But, but my spiritual eyes were, were taking in. Here's some verses. I wanted just to show you. There's four verses in particular that I was just, I was praying over, I was quoting, I was preaching to my soul. Psalm 138, verse 6. God is abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon Him. I love this. Abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon Him. I think I got the wrong verse on the overhead, on the screen. Never mind. Take my word. This Here's the verse. And I think it's actually Psalm 135, 6. But anyway... Don't mind me. My mistake. Uh, but just think about it. God isn't stingy in loving kindness. He's abundant in loving kindness. And who is he abundant in loving kindness to? This is so encouraging. All who call upon him. Okay? <laughs> That's me. I'm calling upon you. You're going to be abundant in loving kindness to me. Oh, that was just food for my soul. That was light for my darkness. And it, it took a while. I had to keep preaching that to myself to persuade, but, but the Holy Spirit helped me see and feel the truth of that. And then James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, 
and it will be given to him. Again, notice, you just ask God, I need wisdom. I have no idea what to do here. Give me wisdom. And how much wisdom does he give us? He gives wisdom, what's the word? Generously. Well, generous means like more than you're going to need. Not like, I'll just give you a little hint here. You figure out the rest. No, generous giving of wisdom. And he gives it without reproach. It's like, I'm so glad you asked. You need to always be asking me for wisdom. And then look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10. And the Lord will guide you continually. How often will the Lord guide you? Mondays, maybe? It'll be Mondays and Fridays. No, continually he will guide you. He's the shepherd. I'm just a dumb sheep. Bah, bah. Come on. Here's the, we're, we're going this way. We're going this way, okay? The Lord will guide you continually. And then Micah chapter 7, verse 7. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So through the next couple of hours as I was driving around, I just set my heart over these verses and a couple others. I, I was praying over them. I was preaching them to myself. And, and as I did that, slowly, God's light, I could, I could sense it started to fill me. And slowly, the Holy Spirit used these truths to strengthen my faith and to change my heart. And, and that pocket of darkness over about a two, three-hour period was changed from fear and worry to peace and confidence. I knew God was going to help me make that decision. And this is so powerful. This, you've all got darkness-destroying, a darkness-destroying book in your hands. You've got a darkness-destroying app on your phone, okay? Whether it's jealousy or greed or lust or insecurity or fear or pride or whatever it might be, not wanting to obey, just whatever it might be, we have in our hands a darkness-destroying light that when we open it up and, and let it into our hearts, pray over it, preach it to ourselves, trust what God's Word is saying, the Holy Spirit will take those pockets of darkness and turn them into light. That's the fifth reason. First one is blessing. Okay. Second one is sign. Third one is wisdom, then preaching, and then light. Five reasons. So ask yourself honestly, how is your rhythm of reading God's Word? How is that going? Let me encourage you to seek to do that every day. And I would encourage you, if at all possible, do that first thing in the day, first activity you do. I mean, why not start the day off getting full of light? Why head into the day with pockets of darkness that haven't been dealt with yet? And I would encourage you to use a Bible reading plan that will take you through the whole Bible. We all have our favorite parts. Keep reading those. But we need to learn the whole Bible. Learn the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, just, and, and be, be part of a home group because then you'll be growing in how to study the Bible. Home groups are working on that together. And if you have, a, like, what does this passage mean? You can ask, ask somebody in your home group and talk about it together. It's so helpful being part of the body of Christ. And then throughout the day, so maybe you start off the day reading the Scriptures, get some good time with the Lord, pockets of darkness being transformed into, into light. Then as you go through the day, you'll find pockets of darkness like... 
right? Little pockets of darkness start up. So throughout the day, as soon as you can, just, okay, you, you open up the Bible, quote verses to yourself, preach truths from God's Word to yourself, and deal with the pockets of darkness as they come up throughout the day. So Grace Church, I want to call us to take a new step this week in terms of reading, hearing, keeping God's Word, okay? For five reasons. First reason is blessing. As much blessing as Mary had being Jesus' mother, you will have even more blessing when you read and pay heed to God's Word. Sign, the sign of Jesus' resurrection shows that He is God, and He said that the Bible was the very Word of God, so we are reading God's very words. Crucial second reason, don't neglect God's words. Neglect anything else but not the Word of God. Third is the word wisdom. That is, Jesus' wisdom far surpasses Solomon's wisdom. The queen of the south traveled 2,000 kilometers to get Solomon's wisdom. How much more should we do whatever we can to learn God's wisdom? And we have it here. Also preaching, okay? Jonah's preaching caused the whole city of Nineveh to repent. Jesus' preaching is far better. You have Jesus' preaching right here in the Scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. You can hear Jesus, God, preaching to you whenever you want pay heed to his, which is the best, greatest, most powerful, most transforming, most comforting, most strengthening preaching that there is. And then finally, light. You will receive light, and that light will transform your pockets of darkness, and it'll turn you into a light that will shine with the reality and the love and the joy and the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ wherever you go, wherever you are. Let's stand together and pray about this. Lord, I pray that you would take this word now and increase the work of your Spirit upon us. Wherever we're at, Lord, some of us maybe are real faithful in the word. I pray that you'd give us fresh diligence and devotion in, in pressing in even more. Maybe some of us have never had a regular rhythm of reading the Scriptures. Lord, use these five reasons to change that this week and that we would take steps to grow in this. I pray, Lord, for any here who have pockets of darkness in their hearts and that this afternoon they could open up your word and that you would deal with those pockets. And then, Lord, I pray for any here who are still walking in darkness because they're not yet trusting Christ and that today they would turn, trust Christ, trust you, Jesus, be forgiven and receive your light and be changed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.